there's a great perk of being the director of the Billings Public Library. And that's, I get to see behind the scenes. So I get to see in our archives. I get to see our Remingtons and our Russells and our James. I get to see the Elizabeth Custer letters. All these wonderful pieces of history. And uh, when I first came across uh, the artwork of Will James, I was intrigued with details. Uh, there was a passion in this art. There was a rawness to this art. I'm not an art historian, so I really don't know how best to describe uh, what this reaction uh, was, was, was causing me. But I noticed something very strange about the artwork the more I looked at it. I noticed that over time, uh, James tinkered with the way that he would sign his pieces. And I found this kind of intriguing. Um, but like most things you find intriguing, it kind of just flitted away. I didn't think much about it. Until my archivist uh, came and gave me the Will James files. And here we had all these original letters and drawings and all this wonderful stuff. And as I went through these pieces, I noticed again, his signature was changing. I thought, well, why, why is this? Well, I spent the last year studying Will James. I by no means am a Will James expert. Um, for those of you who are, who are Will James experts, I hope that you are gracious enough uh, and correct me if I get anything wrong. But Will James is a very complicated individual. And what I found out about Will James is his signature, in my own hypothesis, changes as his persona changes over time. Okay? I'm not a graph analysis, so I can't give you a psychological rendering of why he changes his signature or what it shows us about him by any means. But I do think that this story should be told. So Will James is a man from two beginnings. He has the apocryphal, kind of romantic beginning, and it's stated as such. Born in Montana in 1892 to a Texas cowboy, who dies a traumatic goring when James is four. His mother of Spanish Californian descent dies when James is one. At this time, Jean Boupre, a French Canadian trapper, rescues James from desolation, rears him as his own until he too tragically dies in a creek accident, freezing to death in the winter. Okay, that kind of sets the stage there, right? That's, that's Will James. He's going to be out. Okay, here's the truth. <laughs> Will James was not born Will James. He was born as Joseph Ernest Naftali Dufault in Canada, Quebec province, to Jean Dufault, who was a shop owner, who made many poor business investments, which ultimately led his family to Montreal. His mother... Um, his mother was a homemaker, okay? So she, she didn't die from the Spanish flu or anything else like that. You know, he, he, he made all that up. Here's the deal. The only connection to James at this time to the Wild West when he was a little boy was he liked to draw. That's it. So you have James, not that what we think of him as today, but in Montreal, Canada. And his heart, his desire is, I got to get to the West. So let's paint this picture right now of that, okay? Because as we see, James, he draws, he paints, he writes stories. Through this whole time, though, he's creating his own story. He's creating his own persona so that he can be remembered the way that he wants to be remembered. And as he yearns for this Old West connection, he leaves these Montreal roots, and he, and he travels west. 
By the time he's 13 or 14 years old, he leaves his family behind. And he wants to go out and be the cowboy, a real cowboy. In fact, in 1907, he, he gets uh, on, on this ranch, and he fabricates this great story okay, of having to kill a man. Now, the story goes that this man attacked him with this knife. He came and he was lunging, he was slashing and everything, and James had to fight him off and finally grabs this six-shooter and shoots him. Two problems with the story. One, the man who was real wasn't dead. Second, James didn't have a gun. <laughs> so with no scars or evidence, he tries to backtrack this. Again, he's 13, 14 years old. He's kind of learning how to tell his story here. He, he, he moves further west. And he, at this time, he starts exploring different names. C.W. Jackson, W.R. James, William Robert James, Bill James, Will James. Will James. That has a certain ring to it. He likes that. In, in 1911, he begins as an artist. He's doodling everywhere. And his compatriots, the other cowpunchers, they're stealing his artwork. Because they like it. And they're putting it up in the bunkhouse here and there, and he's signing it. But people are telling him, you have some talent here. Unfortunately, the art is still on the back backburner. He's more interested in telling some tall tales, some random stories. We have the escaping from jail because he burned it down story. <laughs> we have the rustling cattle story, which I don't think you want to do that if you're trying it for a job interview. We have the fleeing from the law and other pursuers story. The beauty of this is that James has fabricated and created this persona that none of this can be substantiated, but nor can it be disproved. Okay? But of course he has this French thick accent. Okay? And that's where the French trapper comes into play. I was raised by a French trapper, so therefore I have this French accent. Okay? He starts putting the pieces together. But by 1914 he starts living some of these. Some of these stories. Him and a compatriot by the name of Lou Hackberg do steal 31 head of cattle. And they try to sell these animals in Oasis, Utah, that is being shipped to Denver. Now, unfortunately for James and for Hackberg, there is someone there from that ranch that notices the brand. <laughs> so someone notices the brand and contacts the sheriff. The sheriff, of course, follows up with James. James freezes. He doesn't know what story to tell, doesn't know what to do. He freezes. He's arrested. Hackberg, he's gone. Okay. So James is take, taken to the jail, and he's incarcerated in White Pines Jail in Eli, Nevada. At this time, James does what every good prisoner should want to do. He befriends the jailer. And he starts drawing different pictures for the jailer and signing them. And the jailer loves it. In fact, he loves it so much that he starts sharing these drawings with the newspaper. The newspaper says, quote, this is James is especially good at describing ranch scenes through his pictures. All of a sudden, you have this, this young man at this time. He hasn't gotten that credit. He hasn't gotten that compliments. He doesn't have any confidence in his art. That's the first time right there. And he likes it. He likes being complimented by it. So, 
From that mark, he changes his not guilty plea to a guilty plea. He is sentenced to 12 to 15 months in the Nevada State Penitentiary in Carson City for grand larceny. He gets released after his third appeal is approved by the Board of Pardons. He draws this as evidence to the appeal board why he should be released. Okay. Which, okay, that's, kind of, that's creative, right? You think, that's neat. But again, what I want you guys to focus on here, look at the signature. And watch the signatures now as we go through. So from here, this is the drawing. A couple years later, after he's released, he asks for his parole papers. We have a new signature right here. This is when he begins exploring with the persona in his writing now. Okay. So he makes a name for himself as a, ran as a ranch hand. He's steady, he's adept, he's reliable. He can get things done. In fact, he be kind, of, kind of becomes a hero in a way. Because on, a, on one ranch, he rescues a daughter from a runaway stallion. And you can't make this up. This is the type of Hollywood story type of deal. And he becomes the hero. He gets the notoriety. People like him. Unfortunately, he thinks he's a little better at rustling those stallions than they, he is. And he gets busted up pretty badly by them. And he has to go out to L.A. Because there he, he messes up uh, his mouth and his bones and his cheeks so much that there's only a doctor out in L.A. who can put him back together. So he goes out to L.A. And he comes across Sam Long, uh, who was another cowpuncher with him back a few years ago. But Sam's already moved into the moving picture game. And they need people who know how to ride horses for all the westerns and, and adventure stories that are being produced at this time. James finds it, hey, I know how to ride a horse. Make some money doing this. But he's being cast all the time as the same thing. Good, good cowboy, bad cowboy. You're a knight, you're whatever. Okay, foreign soldier. He gets kind of bored with it. By 1917, he comes back to Montana. And at this time, he does kind of have a body of work that people are impressed with. They see some raw talent here. But he doesn't want to prove himself quite yet. He just wants to be accepted right away by the top. So in 1917, he goes to Great Falls to Charlie Russell first. If he can get Russell's approval, he's in. Well, Charlie didn't know James. Didn't know anything about him. At this time, Charlie was really into a certain painting. He was so focused in his art that James took it that he was dismissed by Charlie Russell. And it broke him. He was so disappointed. But he hadn't yet understood what it took yet to be that true artist. To be so dedicated to your craft. To be so in love with your painting at that time. That's, that's all you see. So he kind of goes around... In 1917, trying to as a vagabond. In 1918, when the war starts, he reports for duty. Now, if you recall, he said he was born in Montana. Okay, but do you recall the city that he said he was born in? What? Montreal. Well, Montreal is where he moved to. But in the apocryphal story, he says he was just born in Montana. Seiko, Seiko, Montana. Seiko. Okay, Seiko, Montana. Uh, when he reports for duty, World War I, he 
changes his birthplace now for a third one. I was born in Billings, Montana. Yay. So he joins, uh, he joins the army. He's billeted as a wagoneer and a mounted scout and an orderly in charge of the officer's mounts. He's happy because he stays connected to the horses. Okay. He, he had a less than stellar six months serving in World War I. Essentially, he spent, the arm, he spent his duration peeling potatoes, and he was so upset by that because there was no glory in it. So he, after the six months, he's released this in the 1919, and he bemoans the fact when he's released that when he returns home, there's no one to greet him. Well, he's run away from his family. They don't know where he is. And in fact, at this time, he's no longer corresponding to them in French. He'll only write back in English. And not the English that we would use, but in an idiomatic variety of it that is well known in his writings. There's only one of his siblings, which he came from a family of six children, only one of his siblings was able to read English. We'll put it on pause for just a second. So he's traveled from Montreal, he's gone west, he's gone all the way down to Nevada, he spent time in prison. We have a trail of him. But that trail is pretty bleak. The information there, few and far between. Because during this time as well, James is being real intentional of leaving the most minimal of footprints. We don't know yet why this is the case. So by 1919, he, 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 he goes again to Charlie Russell. He has a little bigger work. He's sold some stuff. Um, people know him. Russell approves. All of a sudden, the game changes for James. He's happy. He's excited. He maybe has a future in this. In fact, the California School of Fine Art says, why don't you come out? We have a full rights scholarship for you. We'd like you to hone your skills here. So he does. But after three months, he leaves the school. It's just not for him. Unfortunately, this becomes a recurring event in his life. But because he left the school, he did go back to Nevada. And this is where he meets Alice. Alice and James are married. Now, James is 28 at the time. She's 16. But they are happily in love. And Alice is going to play a crucial part in the success of James down the road. Of course, they have their ups and downs, as a young couple do. And at this time, he's struggling. He's not, you know, he's publishing some stuff. He's getting some paintings out there. But he's not, he hasn't made it yet. All of a sudden, the dean of Yale, of, of, uh, Yale University School of Fine Arts, gives James <coughs> a, a full-ride scholarship out there now. James takes it. Of course, Alice had to give him a little prompting. So he takes it, and he goes out there. But loneliness sets in. He cannot stand being away from Alice. He cannot stand being away from the West. He can't stand not seeing horses. He begins drinking. This is the moment in his life that things really change. The inclusion of alcohol into his life will play the biggest factor on down the road. Like Remington before him, James drops out of Yale School of Fine Arts. He comes back home, and he starts submitting drawings to Life Magazine. Life Magazine passes him by. He's really depressed now. 
He's dropped out of two prestigious fine arts programs. He wants to make sure that he is able to do his craft, but he's not getting in the door anymore. So by 1922, Alice prompts James to begin writing all these crazy stories that go with these drawings down. And he says, okay. So he starts doing it. And all of a sudden, Scribner's Magazine says, we like this story called Bucking Horses and Bucking Horse Riders. And they give him $300. He realized you can make some real money doing this. So he starts writing down all the stories and illustrating them. Pretty soon, he's discovered by Maxwell Perkins. Maxwell Perkins, at the same time, is the editor for Ernest Hemingway and Fitzgerald. This leads to more pieces in Scribner's, and soon the Saturday Evening Post. Because of this new income, this um, revenue stream that he's created, James creates, oops, well, this letter is out of place. James buys 600 acres and creates the Rocking R Ranch, which is at the foothills of the Pryor Mountains. You can actually go here to Bighorn County Historical Museum and see the original ranch. This is a really rustic, secluded, no running water, uh, no indoor bathroom type of place that he makes. Alice hates it. She can't stand it. Okay, But she is devoted to her husband. And she wants him to be happy. And if this makes him happy, she's on board. Until one day, she puts some soiled rags in the outhouse. Now, James was a heavy smoker. One time he went out there, and before doing his business, he puts his cigarette down the outhouse hole. Next thing you know, Kabaluri! He gets thrown. <laughs> A hundred feet. Doesn't get hurt. Alice comes out. James, what happened? And he says to her, my God, the damn thing blew up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alice decides this isn't the best time to ask James if he wants to start a family. <laughs> so she puts it off for a year. But she really wants to start this family. But again, as I said, James is drinking at this time. And it's not... A problem, but it's there. By 1927, James has become withdrawn when it comes to drinking. And in some ways, some ways he says he needs to do it because it puts him at ease. It gives him clarity. He starts making excuses. This is in 1927, and we see the signature has yet changed again. James goes to New York to meet with Maxwell Perkins. And at this time, Alice is still back at the ranch. James pretty much goes off the grid for six weeks. No correspondence to Alice. No correspondence to Maxwell Perkins. He just wanted to vanish. By this time, James is saying the demons he can't control. Alice, again, this is a, this is a young woman who has the fortitude of all of us in here combined. She goes on a journey to find her husband. And she does find him after eight weeks of searching in San Antonio, Texas. 
He's been on this basically eight-week beggar. James, at this time, tells Alice, leave me. Leave me. And she looks at him and she says, no. I'm going to help you write your greatest book yet. And she sobers them up, and they come back to Montana. All of a sudden, the next year, he publishes Smokey, which wins the Newbery Award Medal for Best Children's Fiction. This book then is translated into numerous languages, Russian and Danish and Swedish and Dutch and even Yugoslavian. Okay. Just when you think... Here's this wonderful catalyst, this wonderful opportunity. Their life can be changed. They have some money. They can do other things. Maybe we start that family. James's real father passes away. Now, in the last two decades, James has only talked to his parents twice. And one trip was to ensure the family would not share the real identity of Will James. Well, this is in 1928. And we see here, just in this year alone, we have two different signatures. And James starts experimenting with different lines, dates, no dates, as we go through. By 1930, he begins his autobiography, Lone Cowboy. It becomes an immediate success. One little problem. The first eight chapters are completely made up. <laughs> Nobody catches this, though. Because nobody is the wiser. James has done everything he, ha he can to control his life's narrative. By 1931, we have a new signature. Or, excuse me, 1930, we have a new signature here. Just the long. All of a sudden, 31, Bill James shows up. So he's struggling here. Who is he? Okay. In 1932, Alice's father passes away. Now, Alice does come from a good home, a good, strong home. In fact, her brother was the ranch foreman for the Rocky Mountain. James, during this time, he really escalates his drinking. Now, maybe there's a guilt there because he didn't have that relationship with his father where he could have, he should have, and Alice, Alice obviously had a really good relationship with hers. But at this time also, more money comes in because Hollywood buys the rights of almost every one of James's books. When Alice tries to tell her mother, my husband does have a problem. He's not who you think he is. She's dismissed. Until Alice's mother comes to the ranch and witness, witnesses for herself one night of drunkenness from James. At this time, this is 1934, he's committed to the Kimball Sanatorium outside L.A. During this time, he has almost this epiphany. A very slight, small one, but he realizes, I've kind of made a facade of who I am. And he starts questioning, who am I? What am I doing? Unfortunately, it doesn't really go the way you want it to go. Rather than a realization of truth, he realizes i got to get back to Canada and erase everything else about me that I possibly can. <laughs> so he does. He goes back home. And he collects everything he possibly can from his mother in the hopes of destroying it all. And he tells his mother he just wants a memory box. So she does everything. Baby pictures, letters, whatever the case may be. And he puts it in a box. And he burns it. He burns everything. 
when he when he gets back to the states, after I should say after getting back to the states, he does write his brother a letter a few months later. And there's a quote in this letter that I want to share with you that I think is so poignant, so revelatory, and yet he doesn't change it. One more example of a signature real quick. This. I often wish that I had not misrepresented myself as I did, but I couldn't dream of the success I've had, and now it's too late to change. He has accepted who he is to his brother. He's accepted the lie. Now the lie, Will James is the artist, Will James is the writer, that's, that's him. It's just where he came from that he can't accept. By 35, his alcohol consumption is at its highest. He says, quote, I need a drink in order to steady my nerves, end quote. But this time also, he starts writing fake fan letters to himself. <laughs> Worse off is he tries to have Maxwell Perkins publish a book of them. In 35, this is also when Alice leaves him. She says she can no longer keep doing this. She goes back to live in Nevada with her mother. About two months after Alice leaving, James, in a drunken night, sells the Rocking R Ranch for a fraction of what it's worth. Alice, though, being Alice, she contacts the lawyers and says, hey, can he, can he sell this without my signature? Thankfully, it was in both their names. So she comes back to Montana, and together they do sign off the property, and they do sell it. Kind of split the sheets, so to speak. For a while, James becomes a vagabond here in Billings. He stays two months here, a month there, six weeks there, a week here, wherever and whomever will take him in. Interestingly enough, during this whole time, his writing production is still very lucrative. He's producing, and people are buying. The difference being, though, his artwork has really declined. People are saying that he's tired. He's not doing anything original. He's recycling many of his motifs. By 37, James has become a recluse at his new home, Smoky Lane Ranch, below the rims here. And I didn't find out where that was. It's also in 37 that he has an auto accident. Yes, he was driving while intoxicated. <laughs> He's committed to the hospital for inebriates in Warm Springs, Montana for nine months. And it's at this time that his mental disturbance really comes up because he's convinced that this hospitalization, this incarceration, is a conspiracy to keep him from producing more art. So he begins telephoning and writing letters to whomever will listen to help him get out of the hospital. Thankfully, nobody listens. In this 1939 version, I don't know if you can see this, but we have a whole different signature now. So by 39, the critics are looking at James, and his writing is still good, but his illustrations are just not passing mustard anymore. They're lacking. But he continues to write. And he ends up publishing The American Cow Cowboy. And the first, this is the first time in his publishing career now that critics are saying 
this is this is underwhelming. He takes it to heart. He takes it to heart so much by 42, he is a shut-in. He's a recluse from even Alice. Alice does decide, I'm going to come up and visit him one last time. And when she does, she sees a man whom she spent 15 years with. But it's, but it's not that man. He's a visage of what he once was. He's thin and decrepit. He's unkept, withdrawn, more like a stranger to me than ever. By August 28th, James collapses on the floor and is taken to the hospital. On September 3rd, he dies, he dies at 5.15 a.m. His story, his belonging of the West, is almost complete. Because even in his death, even in the end of the days, he wanted to make sure he would not be sent back to Canada. So he puts in his will, I would like to have my ashes spread over the skies of Billings. And that's what happens on September 8th. This is his final act of ensuring that he will always be part of the West. See, Will James truly is a man from two beginnings. He's a complicated man. One invented and one real. It took him his entire lifetime to perfect each story of his life. Unfortunately, he decided to only share one of them with us. Thank you.